Hey, welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. Um, so tonight I have <clears throat> a, I can't say close friend because I literally just uh, met him uh, over Facebook. Uh, so I've never even met him in person. Um, so we're having this interview tonight just because, um, you know, I really want to talk about the Marine Corps as a whole, talk about, you know, recruiting duty, drill instructor. Um, and before I even introduce this, man, um, I wanted to just really quickly just explain, right? So I've had people calling me about the podcast, people giving me, you know, incentive ideas or whatever you want to call it. Um, I want everybody and their mother and father to understand that there's that this podcast is not in any way meant to come off inflammatory or anything like that. All I'm doing, all we're doing, everybody I have on here is just talking about issues that we've seen throughout our careers um, that maybe have gone unspoken or really just to, you know, like the person I have who's going to come on, he's been on both B billets. So he's been on recruiting duty. He's currently on drill with the duty. And he felt that he had a story that he could share that could help out the people who are out there on the streets right now or out there in the barracks right now doing that duty. So really what we're just going to talk about is number one, his time in the Marine Corps, um, deployments, stuff like that, and then really just talk about his career as a whole and maybe, you know, some of the things that he might be able to help us with. So without further ado, um, Nico, welcome. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Definitely, man. Um, so if you don't mind, just kind of starting off with, you know, who who is Nico? Like, where where did you come from? Why did you join the Marine Corps? Just kind of give us a background of, you know, who we're, we're listening to right now. Yeah, so I, uh, I grew up in San Diego, which is kind of ironic because I'm stationed here now. Um, I joined the Marine Corps when I was uh, 19 years old. Um, I, after graduating from high school, kind of messed around with college a little bit. wasn't really my thing at the time. Um, I got into a little bit of trouble, and the Marine Corps was like kind of a unique way to, uh, or an opportunity besides you know school at the time. And I had some ex- some exposure to the military a little bit growing up, so I felt like it was a good opportunity for me to do something different and, uh, you know, not uh, – or be productive, I guess, to society. So I joined the Marine Corps, um, went to boot camp February 22nd, 2010, and uh, from 10 to 13, I, I graduated crew training, became an infantryman, uh, 0352 anti-tank missileman at the time, missile gunner now. Um Went to recruit or uh, went to ITB after that, 2 7, following that. And when I was with 2 7, uh, from 10 to 13, I deployed twice, 31st Mew. And then I went to Afghanistan, um, October of 13. Went to recruiter school, got stationed in Columbus, Ohio, recruiting, um, which was a, a great experience being from San Diego and seeing a whole different side of uh, the world, I suppose. And then uh, finished up there in 2017. Back to California, I was stationed with 2-1. I was a rifle platoon sergeant. I was with EOTG during that time as well as the operations chief for advisor training branch. I went back to 2-1, deployed with them a second time. Uh, but first time was UDP, second time, 31st Mew. And then uh, immediately following my 31st Mew deployment, I, like a month later, was in DI school uh, down here at the depot. And I've been here since January of 2020. Nice. Okay, so you've been... And you're what now? Eleven years. Um, you've kind of been everywhere. It seems like <clears throat> kind of have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm for deployment, so I've had a lot of opportunity to be. And I wouldn't call it like you know people people say like UDP wasn't deployment. You know, it is what it is. I was gone for six months, 
But uh, yeah, I was, you know, a UDP, two MUs, and uh, my combat deployment to Afghanistan. I mean, I got a good opportunity to see different parts of the operating forces as well as, mm-hmm. you know, two infantry battalions and then uh, you know, SDA like recruiting and then this SDA as well, which is, I, I think, is like, it's crazy how uh, different they are. You get similar feelings, but at the same time, like, two extremely unique experiences and completely different sides of the Marine Corps that are so closely like uh, related between, you know what I mean? Like as far as like the process of a young applicant joining the Marine Corps. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so firstly, I kind of want to just go into, so you, you had a lot of combat deployments. You've had a lot of those. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like how, how did you get affected by that? Um, How did, did you enjoy it? Did you love it? Like kind of run us through like, because I, I went to Afghanistan, I had a combat deployment, but this is kind of really for the whole synopsis of the, the podcast is really for anybody. So I want people who literally have no idea what the Marine Corps is to be able to come onto this podcast and learn something from you. Um, so what would you say, like, you know, how did it feel? What was it that made you, you know, did you love it? Did you hate it? You know, kind of like start with that. Like, how was your, your deployment? Yeah, so like, like I said, my, I only had one combat deployment, but it okay. was, uh, it's a little, I mean, it was 2012. So the Marine Corps wasn't like, you know, Afghanistan wasn't all the hype that it might've been in like 2008, 2009. And I know that, yeah. but, um, I think everybody has a different experience, you know, like, uh, especially when it comes to like the, the mental side of it, everybody's different. Everybody was raised different. Everybody like, you know, reacts differently. I mean, I mean, mentally to like, uh, you know, extreme situations, but, I think I'm grateful and I'm thankful that, and maybe I just wasn't exposed to the same things as others. I mean, whatever, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I think I had like such a unique, uh, like experience over there and it didn't just, it didn't affect me mentally. Like it does others. I, I guess I just kind of shrugged it and I moved on. And, um, but I think it helped me grow a lot. You know, okay. I think that one, it's hard to understand what it's, what it's like to be in that situation without actually being there. And I think that's what it's, what it really comes down to. It's, it's hard to explain, yeah. Um, you know, you walk away from it and you either you're, you know, you either walk away from it or you don't. But I tell you the best thing that's ever like the best feeling I've ever had in my entire life between my, besides my wife, you know, getting married to my wife and my son's being bored was probably like uh, was getting in a um, MV 22 look or I don't remember if I was anyways, an MV 22 looking out the back hatch and, and seeing that like a fob disappear in the distance that you were spent six months at probably the yeah. best feeling in the world knowing like <laughs> holy holy moly like showed up here not knowing what to expect and i walked out of here alive like that's yeah. that's kind of that's that's kind of like an incredible experience and i feel yeah. like that um i'll like never forget it's weird yeah no i definitely re- yeah i definitely feel that like i remember getting off the bus um in jersey and seeing my family and like telling my wife straight out like you know, I can go back right now. Like, you know, it was a weird feeling, but um, yeah, I remember just doing, you know, that's definitely something that you don't forget. Um, now, did you, if you don't mind me asking, did you guys, while you were over there, did you guys, you know, have anyone that you lost? Did you guys have any, anything like that or any kind of like, you know, just KIAs or anything like that? Um, so what's kind of, I think like another thing I'm grateful for. So I went over there, we had uh 14 of us in our platoon and mm-hmm. we're very small because we, we only sent a section of us. And so I, like I said, I'm very lucky that I, we walked away with everybody. Um, awesome. There was awesome. like some engineers that were with us that uh, didn't come home with us. Um, you know, we had another, you know, closely another platoon 
lost a couple guys, but we just um, well, one more in another platoon. But anyways, we just kind of had a good like we, I got lucky, you know. We were, good, thank God. I was exposed to some situations that were kind of hairy and kind of shaky at some days, and you know, I looked up at the sky some days and thanked God I was still you know walking out of there. <laughs> but yeah. um, you know, it is what it is, and like I said, I. I, I'm thankful that I everybody we showed up with, we went home with. Um, yeah, that's amen, like, man. Yeah, it was super cool. That's awesome, dude. So, um, so now to, let's talk about like, kind of moving on. Like, so you said UDP. Um, do you know? Can you kind of share with us what a UDP is? Because many people might not know. Um, so what is a UDP? Yeah, that's a good point. So a UDP, uh, it, it's a unit deployment program. Okay. So um, I, I can't tell you the history behind them. I wish I, I should know this and I wish I did knew more. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, what it essentially is, it's, a, it's an opportunity for a unit to, you know, go to another uh, to deploy overseas, whether it be like I think there's a UDP in Okinawa. Obviously, there's the UDP. There was one like in like the Baltic. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Darwin, Australia has got a UDP, but it's, a, it's an opportunity for a unit to deploy overseas and and build relationships with other countries, whether it be, uh, you know, my UDP, we, we did some training with Japan. Um, we went to Sendai, Japan, which is a, uh, which is on mainland Japan, like super snowy. Um, it was in February. We had like snow everywhere, but it was like, we did a lot of cold weather training. Um, so, I mean, it's just a good opportunity for us to share like common good practices that we use and, um, and, and, see what some of the other countries are doing as well. And I'll be honest with you, it's, uh, it's kind of like uh, reaffirming and, and it's reassuring to see some other countries train and you're like, okay, we're going to be all right. Yeah. You know, we're we're, we're going to be okay if something pops off. Yeah. So, so you, so pretty much you just kind of go there and you work alongside them and kind of just teach them and stuff like that pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And show them okay. some things that we do to make us better. And then they'll, and then, you know, there's going to be times where, um, like when we were with the Japanese self-defense force, they, uh, we had like a, a mess night with them and we like, mm-hmm. you know, shared, they brought, they brought like sushi and sake. Oh, and wow. I think, I think we bought like, we went to like, uh, we got like beers and pizza. So I, that's where people will laugh and like, is that really a deployment? But it is yeah. what it is. But that's we awesome. Got, you know what so, I mean? That's what it's about. No, exactly. So did you get, did you ever get a chance to meet any rock marines? Rock Marines. Okay, yeah. So we met a Rock Marines when I was in Korea. So on my on my thirty first Mew, my second one, um, I went to Korea for a month. And while mm-hmm. we were in Korea, um, just long enough to get the medal, right? No, but while we were in Korea, um, they we we did a, we saw some Rock Marines. We didn't really get to train with them, as far as I remember. But we I mean we met them in passing and stuff. So um, I, Korea is fun. That was some good training we did in Korea. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things. Just so you guys, anyone who's listening, just so you guys know, Rock Marines are the Republic of Korea Marine Corps. Um, so that's what a Rock Marine is. It's the Korean Marine Corps, essentially. Um, and I've had a lot of people tell me some great things. Like one of my buddies, um, Mo, he um, he is a um, he's an engineer. So he actually spent time in Korea for, I think, like six months with the Rock Marines. And just like has he actually has really good friends that are still over there that he actually plays video games with stuff and he still c- keeps connected to them. Um, so what other types of like travel and adventure, I guess you could say, like you've had while you've been in the Marine Corps? I think the best place, and I'll just talk about this kind of, but the best place I've been to is Australia. Australia, I've been there twice yeah. um, to do Talisman Saber both times. 
Um, we got to go to, I've been to Brisbane twice. We've been to Rockhampton, Townsville. I mean, like, I'll tell you what, Australia is a great time. Not only like to spend some time with the Australian army, cause those guys are, they're awesome and they're a great time. Um, but just to like experience the, the limo is a good time. There's a lot of stuff to do out there. It's like, you know, it's hard to imagine yourself on the literal opposite, opposite side of the world. And, yeah. um, and when you're in the Pacific, so I, I don't know, it's how to explain it, but like just the limo alone, good time, but like training with the Australian army, those guys are awesome. And, yeah. um, you know, they're super welcoming, awesome, a great time. Just a lot of fun. That's what I've heard. It, it actually reminds me of a very funny story. Um, so I'm at Sergeant's course, right. And, um, I'm a reservist and we're at Sergeant's course and they, they had people from everywhere. So we had people from Texas, Texarkana, every, literally anywhere across the United States. And then we had a couple of guys who were from like coming from Australia, Germany and stuff like that. So there was this one guy, this Sergeant, I can't remember his name, but he was born and raised in Australia, came to America, ended up becoming a Marine and then ended up going back to Australia and getting stationed there for a while. Right. So one day we're talking about it's like one of our first classes and um, the female there was a female staff sergeant who was given the class and we were just talking about like um, culture shock essentially and how you go to different countries and things are just so different that you know you get culture shock. So this guy this he's from Australia he goes he says so I probably shouldn't call her the c word right. And the staff sergeant goes, the C word? What what C word? She's like, I don't know what that means. And he goes, you know, see you next Tuesday. And he, she's like, and we're all laughing. Like the whole, like 65 sergeants were just laughing our asses off. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? And he goes, I probably shouldn't call you a bloody fucking cunt, right? And she's like, no, no, you should not call anybody that. And, he, and then he goes on to explain that how in, in Australia – they actually use it as like a term of endearment, like how we use brother, they use cunt. And I was just laughing. So the rest of the time we were there, every night at the smoke pit, he'd be like, hey, what's going on, you bloody cunt? And he would just talk. It was freaking great, man. But um, so leading into that, so you've been able to you know, deploy, you've gone on UDPs, you've been able to meet rock marines, you've traveled throughout the world. Um, so then you you go on to recruiting duty. How was that? Like what... I don't know if you remember, but how did you feel? Like, did you get hissed? Did you volunteer? Like, what happened with that? Yeah, so hold, back to what you were saying about being in Australia real quick. I had a similar experience where I think I, when I was in Australia, I was like 20 years old, maybe. I couldn't have been older than 20. Anyways, no, I was 21. Um, anyways, we're all, we're all drinking beers in Australia, and I was at a bar. We'd been drinking, like, all day. We had some libos, was a Lance Corporal. And – uh we were all drinking at a bar and um, having a good time. Everything's cool. And like I said, Australian, like the, the, the locals are super cool and they're great. Love having a good time for love Americans. Um, and so we're all having fun drinking beers, with some guys there. And uh, one of the guys called me a cunt. And I remember looking at him like, what, I'm, what? and he was being super cool. I said out of nowhere, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, hold up. What did you say? And he called me a cunt again. And I was like, and I looked at one of my friends, like, come on, this guy can't be serious. And my buddy's like, hey, man, it's cool. Like, that's like, a, like you were saying, a term of endearment. And I looked at that dude. I'm like, man, 
and where I'm from, those are like fighting words when you call somebody a cunt. <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. just call somebody a cunt. Yeah, uh, but it's experience, so it's funny. He's very talented. Yeah, because um, my boy told me that at the smoke pit. I was like, yo, hold on. So I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, man. He was like, dude, it's just like we just call each other cunt instead of brother. Like, you'll come walking into the store and he'll be like, hey, let me get a pack of cigarettes, you cunt. And it's like, I'm like, wait, what? Like, it's so crazy. Yeah, but um, uh, as far as recruiting goes, yeah, so I came back from uh, from Afghanistan in, I think it was April, in, irrelevant, but anyways, so I came back from a- in April and then immediately went to uh, squad leaders at the time and did a completed squad leaders course, I think it was like eight to ten weeks, and then as soon as I got back from that, I had all the intention to get out of the Marine Corps. Um, my wife, who I married in 2011 what had just graduated from Ohio state. And so she moved out to beautiful 29 palms with me and was like, there's no way you can stay in the Marine Corps. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll get out. No big deal. Um, but I remembered after she graduated from Ohio state, like, Hey, maybe I can be a recruiter in Columbus, Ohio. Maybe I can get lucky. And so being a corporal at the time and I had gotten promoted, I was a meritorious corporal in like September of 12. Um, and so it's like March now or not March, I'm sorry, April now. Um, and I'm like b- brand new still, you know what I mean? I've been a Cobra for what, seven months, eight months. Yeah. yeah. And so I, uh, I put in a reenlistment package with incentive to go on recruiting duty. Now I was like an age waiver. I was a rank waiver, Oh wow. not rank waiver, but a time and service waiver. I was a time and grade waiver. Um, you know, I had tattoos. There's all sorts of stuff that I got waived, but it must've loved the fact that I was like young and you know, a hard charger because I, uh, it got, I got approved for recruiting duty on October 14th and was like, your, your, uh, school dates, October 28th. I'm like, holy moly. So oh, wow. I, uh, yeah, like two weeks to get ready for it. But, um, I, but when I, when I knew that I had gotten, uh, approved as far as reenlistment goes in, to go to recruiter school, I, uh, called the Sergeant major out there, um, and was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm a corporal, I'm ready to work. And I, you know, just got approved for recruiting duty and I want to come, uh, come out to Columbus, Ohio. And I imagine nobody's asking to go to Columbus, Ohio. Cause he was like, look, man, you got exactly what you're asking for. You're good. Um, well, we got a spot for you in Columbus. So I went to recruiter school, graduated, uh, like late December, early July or early January. And, um, you know, 30 days of leave. And I was on my way to, uh, um, at the time it was Charleston, West Virginia was the RS, but now it's, it's RS Columbus. They moved it to Columbus. Okay. So how do you, um, so how was recruiting duty for you? And what I, what I mean by that, let me just kind of explain that question. I know it's a kind of vague question. What I mean by that is that like, we're both on the same, how we, excuse me, how we met is we're both on the same recruiting page. Right. And if you notice when I put up the post that I put up everybody and their mother, it seems like everybody hates recruiting duty that, you know, you really don't hear good stories. You really don't hear the good things. People are like, oh, it ruined my career. Oh, it this. Oh, it this. And it's like, okay, well, not every story's bad. And a lot of it, you know, is people who don't remember the good times, or maybe they just didn't allow the good times to happen. So, you know, and again, another purpose of the podcast is really just to, you know, help out what I'm trying to accomplish here is trying to help out the Marine who is either one on the streets. So if there's any kind of like things that you did that helped you out, um, or the Marine who is just getting off the streets and who's now about to go back to the fleet Marine force, um, or 
if there's somebody just struggling out there right now with anything. So really what I'm kind of just trying to learn from you um, is really just how did you like the tour of recruiting duty? Um, and, and what would you say it helped you with? Did you have any hard times and just kind of go from there? Yeah. So um, did I like the flat out? Did I like the duty? I'll tell you the answer is no. Did not like the duty. Um, was I successful? Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I was a campusy recruiter for two years. I was a staff and so I see for one year um, as a campusy recruiter, I was, you know, promoted to sergeant and then meritoriously promoted a little over a year and a half later to staff sergeant. And then that, and I was a staff sergeant in less than six years and in my community. I'm sure you understand is like, yeah, it's, that's like unheard of. So yeah. um, I, like I, I was very successful at it. I was good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, I met some of the best people I've ever met in the Marine Corps on that duty. And like so far to the point that like I was in like one of my best friends now that I met since being in the Marine Corps, I met on recruiting duty. We were both staff and so I seized together. I was uh, North Columbus. He was at South Columbus and he's, he just retired actually. But he, uh, I was like in his wedding. I would have never met him if I didn't, you know, take on that duty. Um, one of the officers that worked at the duty is like, uh, I would consider him like probably one of my closest mentors. Um, you know, just, just, meeting people on the duty and is, is really what I think I gained the most from. But um, what sucks about that duty is you're right. There's like, it's covered with negatives. I mean, there's so many negative aspects to that duty that it really shadows all the good things that you get from it. Right. Um, and that means, and what I mean by that is like, there's so many things that you get from that duty that can make you successful in the Marine Corps, outside the Marine Corps. Um, and I think I heard your uh, who, Stan talked about on the yeah, last yeah. one, like how successful he is now that he's gotten out of the Marine Corps and what recruiting duty gave him. Um, and that's awesome. And that's great. And that's what it's there for, right. To make it successful. Um, but the duty, like it's, it's, you find success, success through pain. And that's, you got to put in work to be successful in that duty. But once you go through the pain, you don't realize, and it, you, it's so like, you don't realize what you're getting from it while it's happening. Right. And that guy, I think that goes with anything else that sucks really. Yeah. Um, but Yo, you, gotta, you don't realize gotta, how much you're getting from it. Yeah. I got to interrupt you only because what you just said and, and just want to have you say it again, you said success through pain. Absolutely. I mean, what I mean by that is like all the work you put in, right. So like all the late nights and I, late nights, I say that lightly, but really all the late nights you put in all the hard work, the extra hours, all the Sundays, I mean, in the summertime, you know how it is, man, with through F ma'am and then J jazz in the summer, like yeah. you, there's not, I, I don't, with all the ship weeks in the summer, yeah. um, there's like some days as a staff. And so I see, you know, you're in there on, on Saturday for PT, you're in there on Sunday to see shippers go out that, that happens for like 45, 50 days straight of just like in the office every single day for something. And that's, yeah. that's taxing on the mind, the body, family. Um, so that's really like all the pain you go through, but yeah. through all that, like you, what you walk away with from the duty is like how, like, I think, and I believe it has set me up so much for success to talk to like, I was, you know, a corporal walking in that duty and I walked away from it to staff sergeant and to like talk to officers and to be comfortable in my own skin and like yeah. comfortable talking in front of people and I could approach anybody about anything. And then I come from a community that's very abrasive, you know, being an infantryman, um, when you're, when you're messed when you're fucked up, you're fucked up and someone's going to tell you and let you know that you're fucked up. But like yeah. being able to, to read people and understand like, all right, well that doesn't work for everybody. And especially, yeah. you, you know, now. So, so how do so I approach you, people? So would you say that 
would you say that it it helped you just grow as a leader and as a person and as an adult and as a as a father and a husband as well? Absolutely. Well, I wasn't a father at the time, and I don't think I look. I'll be honest, I've not looked back in my recruiting days when it comes to being a father. Thank God. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I tried to put a lot of those days behind me. But uh, yeah, as far as my marriage goes, I, absolutely. Like, I can't explain to you how much it tested my marriage. And I mean, there was times where I looked at my wife and I looked at each other like, I don't know. And and that sucked. And that was like some that was probably the worst gut feeling I've ever had, you know. And uh, but like, we're still married. We're still doing great. Um, and so, uh, you know, anyways, going back to the leadership piece, I think that when you're on rec- recruiting duties, especially being a staff and so I see, right, you're mm-hmm. evaluated by how others perform, not about how you perform, right, about how others perform and, and whether or not they are really putting up the contracts. And then as a staff and so I see, you're obviously evaluated on shipping. Now that comes down to like whether or not you know how to do your job as a, as a boss, but um, the the writing contracts is is all your recruiters and you got to make them want to work that's tough especially yeah. if you've never been exposed to something like that and exposed to that style of leadership i mean that's like that's new to almost everybody um, yeah and then not to couple with that it's it's peer leadership really you know you're a staff sergeant in charge of other staff sergeants that's hard it's like for some people that's hard to uh it's hard to swallow as a staff sergeant you have somebody else telling you how to do your job especially when they're maybe they're not an 84 12 they're not a career recruiter they're just you know a standard old recruiter yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that the leadership you walk away with is like, and I know this is like such a, uh, you know, uh, cliche word, but like in, inspiring your guys to want to be there and to want to work mm-hmm. and give them a taste of success and they'll run, they'll run with it and they'll, they'll, you know, do wonders for you, but you got to want to, you got to have to inspire them to want to be there and to want to work. That's, yeah, that's that's tough sometimes. And that's uh, kind of going off what you were saying about the, you know, the um, the success through the pain is it's, it's so true, man. Like you and and they, and they even tell you that at basic recruiter course at BRC, like, hey, listen, your first year, you need to kill it and it'll make your second and third year easier. Um, and it's so true because like even like right now, like so I got out of the Marine Corps. I'm in the IRR right now in the individual ready reserve. Um and I just started a civilian job at a, at a local college doing recruiting duty, um, doing recruiting for them essentially. And it's crazy how like I've gotten almost all of my quote unquote contracts. They call them enrollments, but I've gotten all my people from follow-ups literally, bro. No one follows up with these people. So I literally am calling people for the first time ever. And they're like, yeah, so-and-so never followed up with me but I'm, I want to go to school like tomorrow. Like I literally, we had a seat open up um, for a class and we had one seat open up and I was like, so I asked my boss, I was like, Hey, how, how is it like, is this something that like, I can literally call somebody, we can fill this seat. They were like, not really. They were like, you know, kind of calling somebody last minute and saying, Hey, we have a seat open tomorrow and you got to do all this stuff. It doesn't really happen often. And so I literally- like, hold, hold my beer. So I literally, I literally, bro, I go on the computer, it's five o'clock and they're like, literally, no, it was four 30 and orientation for the class was at six o'clock. So I'm just like, all right, I'm like, all right, hold on. So I go, I'm looking through the computer and mind you, I've only been here about a month and a half and I'm looking through the computer, I'm looking through the computer and I see this dude's name. I clicked his name and I see the last text message that he was sent was, are you ready to enroll? He said, yes, this was two months ago and no one ever said anything back. 
So I'm like, bro, is this a joke right now? So I call the dude and I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, listen, we just had a seat open up. I know it's really last minute, but I was like, if you can be here in the next half hour and we can get your financial aid done, we can get everything done for you. I can get you in this course tonight. And he's like, Doug, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. He's like, bro, I'm on my way there now. I'll be there in 15 minutes. No lie. The kid showed up in 15 minutes. He did everything. And it's crazy because, like, you hear that all the time. Bro, it's all in the power of the follow-up. Because nine times out of ten, people don't join the Marine Corps or do anything the first time you ask them to. And it's all about following up with them. Hey, how are you? So just like you said, man, like, the success is is through that pain, is through all those hours of work. Because, you know, I, I said this in one of the first podcasts, a lot of people just like, oh, I'm going to leave it to luck. I'm going to leave it to chance. You can't leave it to luck and chance because in order for luck and chance to work, you have to have put in the action first for mm-hmm. you to actually get lucky. So I like that you said that. Um, so You're talking you about, have... hold on, you described, there's a word for that, I think, oh yeah, systematic recruiting. Yeah. That's exactly, <laughs> that's all it is. It's true. No, it's true. That's what it is. It's systematic recruiting, right? Circumstances, feeling goals change every 90 days. Like I haven't, I haven't been on recruiting duty for almost five years now. And I look back, like I haven't, I haven't forgot what it was like, you know, yeah. all those little terms. And like I said, all the little cliche words, like it all makes sense. And truly yeah. like every 90 days, making that phone call, like, Hey man, I'm just seeing how you're doing. I know you like, how was the baseball season? Just making something up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm with you, man. I think that, uh, it's it's like putting in the putting the extra hours, but you're right. Like that follow up and the, the systematic approach of like, hey, I'm just gonna hit this. I'll just put you know action datum for the future, and yeah. we'll see where it goes. And that and bro, I'm telling you, bro, that's the craziest thing is because they don't even have that system at this at this college. Like they don't even have a system. Like you can action date a phone call and then put a note, but no one's using it. And I and so far, literally, I like I had yesterday, I had this dude. I called and he was like, yeah, you know, I was working with so-and-so and and he just never called me back. And me being the type of person that I am, I was like, all right. So I called the dude and I was like, hey, man, just so you know, like so-and-so said that you never reached back to him, but he wants to enroll. And the guy was like, oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And and I even said to one of my one of my directors, she was like, well, how did you get this person? And I was like, well, two weeks ago, she told me that she couldn't meet until Wednesday at five o'clock. So Wednesday at four o'clock, I reached out to her and said, hey, are you still okay for five? And she said, yeah, thanks for reminding me. And here I am. Like, literally, it's just the follow up that literally just changed the game here. And they're like looking at it like I've done something like unfathomable. Um, Yeah, well, this systematic approach that we use is not like it's not like some hidden secret. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the the Marine Corps is infamous for making things so dummy proof. And that's all they've they've done with the systematic approach is, is just making things dummy proof for Marines. Like, Hey, what if I create this system that I can look at from 3000 miles away and make sure that you're making your phone calls you're supposed to be making. It might be a little bit of micromanaging, but at the same time, like, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take that for you to be successful. Right. So in in the civilian sector, they're not going to do that to you. So you got to be responsible. You got to be an adult. And you got to yeah. make, you know what I mean? And you got to hold yourself accountable some days and make mm-hmm. those phone calls. And you approach any like sales job systematically. I mean, you're, it's, it's inevitable. At some point you're going to be successful. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm sitting in a parking lot right now watching recruiter school students walk out of class right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so now, so you, so is there any moments that you, I know you said you kind of keep it behind you, but is there any moments of recruiting duty that you, 
kind of do think back to or maybe any advice you want to give like a recruiter who just either graduated BRC like if you could talk to that recruiter you just walked out that classroom what advice would you give him that's a, that's like a loaded question really uh oh man so I think that something I walked away from and I look back on and like as far as advice is is what you said you have to put in the work that first year like there's, I cannot express enough how much you have to put in the work that first year and that second year, you're going to put your feet on your desk and do nothing. And everything is going to walk into your office or, or everything is going to like your, your command recruiters or the little, you know, P tatters, the little uh, Lance corporals and PFCs running around are going to do everything for you. Um, and all the work you put in that first year is going to unravel in front of you and you're not going to have to lift a finger. And that's like really the beauty behind putting in the work that first year and I'm talking to the point where um, a good friend of mine he's out of the Marine Corps now went to Hawaii he's just graduated like a biochem degree but anyways he was a great salesman and he was awesome at what we did and we had uh we had what's funny is we had four sergeants in our office and we had a staff and so I see that was a staff sergeant and she PCS she changed duty stations so when she changed duty stations all of us we had we had like a super successful office like we were crushing it um, and us four sergeants, we like, none of us wanted to take over the office cause we are all just comfortable writing our own contract and getting them shipped off to recruit training. And so we had our staff. And so I see the office was like a light was closed door light, never turned on. And we all just worked from our desks and operated. And they used to call us sergeants gone wild. Cause we, just, <laughs> we did whatever we wanted. No one could say anything to us. Cause we made shipping, we made contracting, we overwrote plenty of times. Like we were on our own program, never put anything into McChris and people would freak out. Uh, or I hated us, but loved us because, you know, I mean, we were successful. But um, yeah. just through all that, like all of us put in, that, put in so much work. And when my buddy Chris, uh, when he finally EAS, he got out, they moved me to his <laughs> sector. And his sector was mm-hmm. a PCS that they couldn't lose. And it was like 45 minutes away. But like, really, I went up there and I, and they, my old boss probably laughed at me now for saying this. But I used to, I'm not kidding you, like schedule naps into my day because I didn't have to do anything. And I would chill up in my office, close the door, lock the door. I didn't have windows, a small PCS. And I would lock the door and, and, uh, and I would sleep in there and just do nothing. And I, and all the kids would just knock on the door, leave a business card or what, fill out, you know, uh, what do they call PPCs? Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't do anything. And it was all because that dude put in the work that first year for me really. Yeah. Um, and it made me successful. And I, I honest to God, think that's why I got promoted. And I kind of owe it to him to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but anyways, with that being said, but you're right, man, that, that first year you got to put in the work. So if I were to give advice to a brand new recruiter is to stay motivated, th- times are going to suck. Um, nothing is more important than your family flat out, nothing, no contract and no, no shipper is worth more than your family. And that's sometimes that's hard to wrap your head around because you have so much pressure and the, the, the mission monkeys on your shoulders and, and it's just, cr- it's crushing the weight of it crushes you, but you have to learn to like, I got to go home and I got to take care of my family. Cause if you don't do that, you will lose it. And then whether you lose your family or keep your family, you still owe me two the next month and you better provide it. Cause um, otherwise you're going to get, you know what I mean? GOS or RFC and you're going to go away. So yeah. you got to put it, you got to put in the work, man. You got to make it count. And, uh, and it all comes down to that first year, your success will come down to your par months and your eval months and then like once you once you're off your eval i'm not saying let off the break but things are going to be so if you put in the work that first year things are going to be so fluid and so easy because you've been doing it so long 
that yeah. you're just it's it's going to feel like night and day like you're just yeah. how, how hard your first year was and how much you don't have to work the next year but it, it'll be like your feet are on your desk and you don't have you're doing nothing you're going to be so lazy but it's going to be hard-earned laziness and you, yeah. you know what i mean that's the work you're you just not gotta wrong. put it in that first year you're not wrong man and i think i think something that you know like it's crazy that you said it because it what it sounds like and this is what i've always said you know people talk about you know, um, livability or what do you call it? Um, just being comfortable on recruiting duty and, you know, like, Oh, you know, like we want this time. We want this time. But the reality of it is, man, it, it, a lot of times, and this is me as a recruiter saying, this, this is me as a staff and Sue, I see saying this, there's, I've never seen it until you just told me about it. I've never seen an office of Marines that worked fluidly together to make mission. And I say that because in every office that I was in, I was in three or four different offices as a recruiter and as a staff at CUIC. And it was always two workhorses and then three other guys who kind of made it like decently. And, and in, like what you're saying just really is, is if everybody comes to work, does their work and pushes it out the first year and you all just keep being there for each other and one you and one unit and unit cohesion, like we talk about in the Marine Corps, um, if you guys do that as an office, then you should have be able to have time off. You should be able to go on leave. But the problem is, is that everybody points the finger at somebody else and they don't realize that really it's just that community inside that office. And it's oh, funny yeah. that, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually just talking to this Sergeant major the other day who reached out to me about my podcast. Um, and he said that he is trying to, set up an entire office of sergeants to include the staff and COIC being a sergeant because he, he, he didn't really tell me why, but he was like, I just want one office of all sergeants and just see what happens. And, and it, and it sounds, and, 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 and sometimes it sounds like it's good because they're all the same rank. They're all the same peers. And it's a lot easier sometimes to police your own. And, and maybe that is something that would be phenomenal. You know, you never know. But um, so now, you know, tell us, so you, you get off recruiting duty. Um, so what happened next? So go to go back to that a little bit. I just want to make it very clear that like, just because we all were successful, doesn't mean we did it right. And what I mean by that is we didn't a lot, a lot of the times, like I said, we were not, we weren't putting anything into McChris interviews. Wouldn't go into McChris. We just like didn't care. And we were very rogue. And, but like, <laughs> like I said, at the end of the day, we were successful. And, and I think what it came down to, we were really with that team too, because I was like a brand new sergeant. I really, I got there a corporal with three other sergeants, but we had one guy that, um, and I, and I don't want to, I'm not going to mention my name, but yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he was like, he was terrible. Really the truth is he was terrible. I mean, it wasn't pulling his weight every other month. He might provide us one that we like coached him through. It was always the same story with him. So it really came down to, there's four of us, the other, us, other three, the other two were, extremely senior very like we call them heavy hitters right like yeah. awesome heavy hitters like carried their weight and they just showed me everything and it was like hey man don't do what we're doing be yourself and just do your own thing but like um but but like sh- tell your story right so and yeah and i don't want to deep dig too, too deep into this but uh there's a everybody talks about like the wolf of wall street scene where he's like make your phone call right yeah um that don't get me wrong that is super effective and that's a good like inspirational piece but i encourage everybody to go watch the like the clip go on youtube and look up reservoir dogs 
the movie Quentin Tarantino made a movie Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, a, good movie. There's a scene in it where the the cop who's like the he's supposed to be undercover and he's he's the cop out of the group and they do the bank robbery. He mm-hmm. practices telling the story and the story about like about him in like a bathroom with some cops and he had some he had some on him and the cops were like you know giving him a hard time in the bathroom. So with that being said. I used to always say, man, like, don't make up a story, but tell your story and tell it so many times that you get so good at telling your story about why you joined the Marine Corps. Because that, all that young woman or that young man sitting in front of you wants to know is why you joined. They just want to be yeah. you. So Bro, get so good. You. Yeah. Yeah. So get so good at telling it and get, just tell it over and over and over and over. And it may get old, but tell that same story to every single person. Man, at the end of the day, like somebody's going to say yes because you're going to sound so believable you know what i mean yeah and like i said i'm not saying lie i'm just saying yeah. tell your story and get so good yeah. at telling your story and Why believe in yeah and that's and that's the thing man like so, like you said man like that I, i'm glad that you said that because talking about movies i'm a huge movie guy great movie reservoir dogs but um one of the movies that i relate recruiting 2d2 and i tell this to all when i was their staff in cyc or when i had new recruiters coming in uh have you ever seen the movie tommy boy Oh, long Chris time Farley. ago. Too long so, ago. Yeah, so everybody knows the movie, but it, there's a one scene where he – it's him and David Spade. They're in the restaurant, in the diner, and he asks for – I think it was like biscuits or something. No, he asks for the chicken, and the woman's like, no, we closed that part of the – we closed that part of the restaurant. We don't make it. You know, it's – you got to come back tomorrow whatever. So then Chris Farley takes a biscuit off the table. And he just starts like caressing it, and he's and he's telling the, the waitress, he's like, you know, this is how a sale goes for me. And he's like, I start out really well, and I caress it, and then all of a sudden, I just bludgeonly beat it to death. And he starts just beating the shit out of the biscuit. And I and I always tell people that that to me is recruiting duty, because you have so many people who. You start off nice, your interview's going well, and then all of a sudden you think you got the sale or you think this kid's going to join, and then you just bludgeonly beat it into him too much, and now you can't go back. So, or you just, you know, you, you, you make a wrong turn and you continue making wrong turns and you don't go back and you can't go back anymore. So, like, for me, that was a movie that I looked at and I was like, wow, like, or that movie Glenn Ross, um, Glenn Ross, whatever. That's a good movie too. Um, talking about like leads and referrals and stuff. But mm-hmm. so, um, so now you graduate, you leave, you leave recruiting duty, you get meritoriously promoted to staff sergeant. Um, yeah, that was kind what? of a weird situation too because my boss was struggling at the time. I was like crushing it in my office, and so uh, my boss had a few months left, maybe like three months, and the RSCO comes down, promotes me. I'm not even kidding you. It was like, Hey, as soon as they're done reading my citation, shake hands. Uh, and then it was, I need to see you and your boss in the office and walking back in the staff. And so I see his office and he was like, Hey man, you're fired. Um, Hey buddy, you're the new boss. And that's how I took oh, over. Wow. It was, it was, it was like, I, did, I, I mean, I've been a staff sergeant for five minutes. Um, so it was, wow. kind of like, that was kind of like a tough, and there's other staff sergeants working in the office too. That already yeah. know like, man, you were, you were a sergeant yesterday, dude. So it was kind of, that's like, that's why it's so, I think that duty is like, it's so demanding, so unique, so different than anywhere so else in the Marine Corps. It's such a unique style of, and difficult style of leadership uh, with peer leadership. But mm-hmm. um, I did that for a year. And, and being so a how, I see is way so how did that, recruiter. how did that feel though? Like, how did that feel 
literally like I, I, I know it was years ago, but do, do, do you remember like how yeah. you just well, like, yeah, you what, know, like, what, what overwhelming feeling did you have? <laughs> yeah, man, it's like you look. Well, I kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. It was it was kind of uh, hinted at. It wasn't like news to us by any means, but uh, you know, it's it's all business, right? I looked at my buddy and I'm like, well, yeah, it's, hey buddy, I need uh, I need two this month. So it's, and that's the truth, and that's you just got to treat it that way. That's what the struggle with recruiting duty is. Um, but I, I fed him a couple, and you know, like I said, here I got a couple for you. A uh, couple months down the road, though, I'm, I'm going to need some new contracts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit about drill instructor. Um, I know I'm going to let you know right now. I know absolutely nothing. I have no friends that are on the duty. I know nothing. So I am impartial. Um, so mm-hmm. I, so you being someone who did both, what do you, what do you think? What good times have you had? What, and you're on it now. So like, what would you say is so different? Like, what would you, how would you compare it if you can, like kind of yeah. give us the rundown. So I, when I left recruiting duty, I went back to the fleet for three years and was like, a, I was a rifle platoon sergeant for, uh, you know, two different rifle platoons. And I will tell you, like, I learned so much from recruiting duty that I could apply to being a, you know, a leader in the infantry, especially like a platoon sergeant where at a time too, we're like combats. It's far few and in between. I mean, we're not going to combat really anymore. Right. Especially now. So I think having combat experience, your Marines look at you like, you know, all the answers. And really, I, I don't, man. I went to combat one time. It doesn't make me some like, you know, some genius and I can't like read minds. So, I, yeah. you know, so it's like you have a lot of weight on your shoulders to like, once again, inspire your Marines to want to work for you and, and uh, demonstrate by example. And you don't want to you really don't want to brag. You know, you want to tell stories. You want to get your Marines to believe in you a little bit, but you don't want to brag like about being some war fighter that, you know, it's not about all that. So yeah, it's tough. Yo, man. It's like, yo like real said, quick. Yeah, man. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have a question. I don't want to forget. Um, okay. When you when you transitioned from recruiting duty back to the fleet, right? Yeah. Did was there any kind of like um, like hey, I haven't done this job in three years? Did anything oh, change? Yeah. Like, was there like was there any kind of like part of like what the fuck like things? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Can you tell us you a little gotta, bit about that? Yeah, you got to be humble, man. And that goes, I'll tell you, and I'll get into that, what I mean, like how important it is to be humble in life. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would say professionally, especially in the Marine Corps. Uh, but like, that's the way I walk back to recruiting or back to the infantry with, especially like leaving a corporal, coming back a, a staff sergeant. I'd never been in yeah. a rifle platoon before. So yeah. that was like very new to me to begin with. But um, but coming back, like they, I check into 2-1 and they're like, hey, hey brother, uh, you got 30 days to get ready. You're going to infantry unit leaders. Now, uh, infantry unit leader is not the hardest course in the world, I'll, I'll admit, but it's 12 weeks of like some serious academics and um, some, you know, PT that's like, it's not, it's not like PT, like the academy, it's, it's actual PT, like you're, everything's boots and utes and, and you're, you're, uh, you're running everywhere. We call it full battle rattle, right? You got a flak and Kevlar on, you're, you're going everywhere with a 40 pound, you know, uh, pig egg or, or sandbag in your pack. And, and I mean, it's, it's tough and it sucks. And at 30 days to come off recruiting duty, where it, what, what is PT on recruiting duty, you know, yeah, and yeah. Then, to go back to uh, the infantry and then tell you like, Hey, you have 30 days to get ready for probably one of the toughest courses you're ever going to go to. Um, was that sucked. And that was painful for me, but uh, you know, I come back, you just got to be humble, man. No, like 
I walked over there and talked to my squad leaders for the first time. I was like, hey, uh, I'll tell you, be honest with you, I know nothing. Just treat me as if I know nothing and teach me and don't feel like you're insulting my intelligence. Um, if I say something stupid, then, I'm, you know, just help me, fix me. I'm not afraid to look dumb. And another example of that is I got back to the fleet and uh, I'm, I'm at the armory with my Marines. I'm watching them pull all their gear out to verify serial numbers. And they're pulling all at the armory. And, and I'm like, all right, we got 39 Marines and I only got 38 pairs of, uh, or pairs, but I got 38 MVGs. Where's the last one at? We should have 39, right? And somebody's like, no, I have a Skeet IR. What the hell is a Skeet IR? And it's like a little, it's a little uh, infrared um, optic, one a single optic um, that you can use. And, and we, one of our guys had it instead of MVGs. Now I, leaving the fleet originally, we all we had was night vision goggles, PBS 14s. We never had skeet IRs. And so I learned, that was like my first experience. Like, okay, we got some new gear that I've never seen before. You're going to have to teach me how to use this thing. Um, but that's just being, you're the, you know, you got to be humble, man. Like, I don't know everything and I'm not here to act like I know everything. I need you guys to teach me. If you teach me, you guys will make me better, but I'll teach you. I can teach you about leadership and how to lead Marines. You guys just teach me how to use, you know, the science behind it all, how to use this gear. Um, and that's really what it came down to. And, and that's, that's what made me effective. And that's what made me successful. Well, I'd like to think I was successful, but that was what made me successful as a platoon sergeant. Um, and a rifle platoon is, is showing up, um, you know, just knowing that, like, I got a lot to learn from my Marines. And that is something that I've taken with me forever. Um, and still to this day, like, um, you know, showing up, I was, uh, I went to drill instructor school in January, 2020 after four deployments. And I went to drill instructor school and my idea was like, all right, man, I'm going to, I'm not going to act like I know everything. I'm not going to act like I'm some big bad dude that has served when I show up to drill instructor school because no one cares really. That's the truth behind it all. But, uh, you know, I was the most senior guy in drill instructor school. I'm like the class commander. Uh, I'm the old guy. And just to be humble and like, all right, we're all, we're all in the struggle together. I'm no better than any one of you. I showed up to my first team as a drill instructor that way. And, I had a, uh, and I, I had like a five and a half, six year, um, supply admin sergeant teaching me. And I was like, look, dude, don't call me staff sergeant. You can call me dude, call me man, call me bro. Just treat me like a, uh, just treat me like another drill instructor and teach me how to be good at this job. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, the work ethics there, you teach me how to do it. And I'm, we're going to be, we're going to have fun. And we did and the, by far my first team, which is every drill instructor will say the hardest they ever worked. I thought it was like the easiest just because I got along with everybody and, you know, yeah, it's hard work and you got to put in the work physically, but I like mentally and emotionally, like so easy showing up to work every day. Cause I knew we were going to have a good time. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And so, and I think that I owe that to just like the fact that I was humble and I didn't show up. I wasn't afraid to be told by a sergeant like, Hey man, that, that was terrible. You got to do it this way instead. Or, Hey man, yeah. you look real dumb out there. You look real dumb out there by yourself. Let me show you how to be better at your job. And that's what it's, um, you know, I got to tell you, man, you know, listening to you talk and and then knowing that you're, you're a gunny, right. Um, it's, I like what you're saying because I was actually just having this conversation last night. Um, um, after my podcast that I aired last night, um, one of my buddies is a, he's the civilian contractor for the recruiting station of New Jersey. His job essentially is he's the IT guy for the whole state of New Jersey when it comes to the Marine Corps. So he just goes office to office and makes sure that everything's working, printers, stuff like that. And me and him were just talking about it. And he was like, after the podcast, we went outside, we're having a cigarette, having a beer. 
he was like, you know, something that I've realized. He was in the Navy for a couple of years, but he was like, you know, something that I've realized. He's like, I've been through. He's like, in my time in RS New Jersey, he's like, I've been through probably like six or seven COs, seven or eight sergeant majors, however many RIs. And he's like, you know, the thing that I've realized is that if you're a gunny or a first sergeant and the only thing you know how to do is fuck somebody else, then you need to get the fuck out of the Marine Corps. He was like, you like you telling me that, you talking about that is it's so I've learned that too, is that you have to be that person who's humble. And I say that because in my last episode I brought it up, is that there's so many people who come out on recruiting duty. I don't, again, I can't talk about drill instructors because I haven't been there, but there's so many people who come out on recruiting duty and they're like, hey, I'm a staff sergeant. You can't tell me anything. And it's like, bro, you're a staff sergeant in that MOS. You know nothing about this MOS. Let me train you and let me help you. Because if you let me do that, you're going to, you're going to be that much better. And that's why I, I stopped to say that because it's awesome to hear you say, like, hey, man, listen, refer to me as dude or bro or whatever, because right now, bro, in this training environment, you're showing me how to do something and you don't got to look at me as staff sergeant so-and-so. Like, we're brothers in arms. You're training me. I'm going to learn more this way. And and again, it, it, clearly, you're talking to a Marine. You're not telling him to, to lose his respect for you or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're bringing yourself down to to that peer to peer so you can learn better and you're not you know strutting your stuff or you're not saying you can't do you can't tell me because I know everything because the reality of it is that you don't fucking know everything there's you know there's PFC's Lance Corporals that might have an idea that you've just never thought about before so you need to be that humble guy and it's just awesome to hear you you kind of talk about that you know what I mean absolutely like <laughs> I can't, I cannot express enough how much being humble is like plays into uh, the Marine Corps, especially this duty. This duty is one of these, this duty is one of those duties where it's like, if you can't take things like constructive feedback, feedback in general, constructive or not, but if you can't be told like, dude, you suck or, hey man, you got a lot of work to do. Um, you're going to struggle on this duty. And you got to realize like, once again, you show up here, you don't know anything, man. Like that sergeant over there probably knows a lot more than you. And he actually looks like he's very successful. You probably want to do what he's doing or try to, you know, emulate it at least, you know, try to be something around, get close to it, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, that's how I showed up. And I've, I'm telling you, it's gone like leaps and bounds for me as far as success goes. And I'm not saying I'm the most successful drill instructor ever. I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm, I would like to consider myself successful as far as like what I've done in the Marine Corps. But as far as being a drill instructor, like I've, I've put in half the work that some of these other drill instructors have and who have gotten a lot less recognition. Mm. And so I would say that like my time as a drill instructor is not the same as I would say for anybody, anybody's time experience as a drill instructor is different from everybody else's. Yeah. And I showed up, I showed up here, like I said, a senior staff sergeant, um, it gets selected for gunny, get promoted to gunny while I'm down here. Um, mm-hmm. and so with that, even with that, like being a gunny at the depots is, is they're not, they can't, they literally cannot keep you in it. And we call it being in the trenches. They can't keep you in the trenches forever. They can't keep you as the lowest guy in the totem pole. Like you have to move up mm-hmm. eventually. Right. Um, but I will admit like the gunny is going to move up a lot faster 
just naturally uh, than the sergeant. And we could say yeah. it's because of rank, and maybe it is because of rank. But I would like to think that with the rank has come a lot of experience, a yeah, lot of yeah. leadership experience, no, 100%. especially. And like, you know, that that gunny, yeah, he probably has only done maybe three or four cycles. But I bet you that gunny has done enough time in the Marine Corps to understand what it means to lead Marines. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, he's got a lot to offer. And so I think that putting him in a leadership position is 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 the way to go. Now, once again, he, you show up here knowing nothing. So don't just put that gunny in a, in a position yeah. to – to lead a bunch of other brand new drill well, instructors, give, give him a good team and he'll probably yeah. make money with them. Well, so what's weird is that, so I actually crazy to even say this. I met, um, so I had my drill instructor, my senior drill instructor. Um, he's actually on Paris Island right now as a, as the first sergeant. Um, and he was an instructor there. He ended up going back. But um, when I was in boot camp, he, everyone knew him as Xerxes because he looked like the guy from 300. And um, his voice, everything, his height, his look, everything. And um, years later, I ended up, um, when I was on recruiting duty, I had an honor grad. So I was able to fly out to Paris Island. and And then I was out there. And I didn't have his phone number or anything, but I had his wife was on Facebook. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, listen, ma'am, I was like, I'm sorry to interrupt your day. But I was like, you know, I'm on Paris Island and I don't know if your husband is still here. I was one of his, you know, recruits. I would love to talk to him. So she she texted me and was like, yeah, he's actually there. He's in building whatever, whatever at the recruiters at the at the DI school. Um, He said to come over there. So I go talking to him as a sergeant talking to a gunny and it was such a different experience you know i was like bro i'm not i'm not calling him sir i'm not sending that freaking attention like i'm just talking to this dude like as two enlisted marines like it was such a as a father you know it was such a different experience and um i I, so now mind you like from at the moment that i was in boot camp i thought that this guy was like some senior guy who was like rowdy and all this stuff and then me and him start talking. And he's like, no, man. He's like, hey, I got promoted to staff sergeant. And they just threw me in the senior drill instructor spot. And and his buddy, who I'm going to have on the podcast here in a little while, was actually the drill the, the, the drill hat. But he would the drill hat was senior to him. But they just wanted to see how he would do as a drill, as a senior drill instructor. And mm-hmm. and it was it was crazy, man. So like, and, and that's my thing is like I I didn't know until just recently didn't know that like with 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 recruiting duty you have the 8411 and then you have the 8412 which is the career recruiter i did not know that drill instructors don't have a career drill instructor yeah and that's probably i would tell you that that's there's a reason for that yeah Um, so what is i was going to ask you like what is the reason yeah um so that's like a touchy subject here at the depot not necessarily the fact that we don't have career drill instructors but i believe is a good reason why. And I don't know if this is the reason, but my personal opinion on why it shouldn't be that way. Um, the depot, just like recruiting duty changes, right? What's, mm-hmm. what's nice about recruiting duty is what changes is, is, uh, is the process that we get people in the Marine Corps that might change. Like uh, maybe going more towards texting and, and DC's digital communication vice vice the old fashioned calling high school rosters, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. high school uh, you know, lists. Like no one calls a high school list anymore. Yeah, well, and yeah. if you do if you do, you're you're like, come on, rearrange, like fix yourself, right? Yeah. But anyways, uh what I'm saying is that like at the depot, 
the the environment of being a drill instructor changes over time. And it, 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 for whatever reason, at the depot, it's always like a back in my day, um, t- like conversation. Well, when I was a, when I was a drill instructor, and from 06 to 08, and it's like, well, dude, in 06 to 08, like, you know, we uh, were invading Iraq and Afghanistan. It was different times. Uh, the whole everything we did at the depot was different. We were we're still in the three phase model. We're in a four phase model now, which is a little bit different. But either way the depot has evolved so much and it, it moves, it evolves so quickly here that and sales will never change, right? It's all about gaining commitment and, and, and delivering a, you know, a reason why somebody should join and they join. That'll never change the, the sign. And that's like the art, right? And if I can relate this anyway to the war fight MCDP one, the art of it will never change the science behind it all does like how we get there from whether it be texting or phone calls, but the art of it never changes. Now, when we talk about, being a drill instructor, like the art of, you know, making Marines will never change. Like at the end of the day, since, since day one, we've been making Marines, like simply put is that we're, it's, we're still making Marines. Um, it, there, there may be, it may be a little bit different because of social media and how we approach it, but we're, we're still making Marines. But what I think we're doing differently is we're making like small unit leaders. And I truly believe that. And people will laugh at me for saying this, but especially other drill instructors, but I truly believe we're making small unit leaders now. Because when you and I left recruit training, it was like trying stop, like trying to stop saying this recruit and that recruit was the, probably the toughest so, thing I had to do. So here's Not a question. My... Here's Go a ahead. question for you. Sorry to interrupt you, but because no, I had, I, I literally just had this conversation today um, with a Marine who I I knew him as a freshman in high school, and I I, I literally taught because I was on recruiting duty for four years, so I knew him as he started freshman year all the way up until mm-hmm. he keep, came home as as a Marine. And um, I was talking to him about it, and and I'm glad that you bring that up because I'm I'm impartial because I'm like you just said when we came out of boot camp, everything was I sir yes sir no sir for a long time. It took us a long time to get away from that, right? But what I'm confused about and what kind of what he brought up um, was just like you guys have this thing now, and I don't know if it's different on Paris Island than it is San Diego, but you guys have this thing that's like quote unquote Marine week. Right. So now you graduate boot camp, you become a Marine. And now you have these like two weeks of where you're talking to a Sergeant that's now, he's still your drill instructor, but now you're talking to him and referring to him as Sergeant. So yeah. like the, 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 the thing that I kind of felt, and this was just my purview from being on recruiting duty was that it was just so different and it was like more lax than it was anything else. So like, so do you like, what do you think about that? Or do you not feel that way? No, I, that's a tough, that's a tough way. There's, I don't want to say it's lax. It's not lax by any means. Like we're, we still get out there and we still uh, quote unquote demand of recruits and we still, Mm -hmm. you know, we're still making Marines. That's what I was trying to say is that we're not, it's not like some chill environment down here where you show up on, on the first day and we got pizza and and, and Kool-Aid waiting for you. It's not like that. You know I mean? We're still, it's still a highly uh, demanding, intense environment. And you're right though. We do have the Marine week now and it's actually Marine weeks. It's two weeks now. Well, 12, 13 days. And so during that time though, what I think it comes down to, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that we're doing what we're doing, but just being mature, once again, being humble, being mature is a big part of it though. Is like, there's a certain level of maturity that being a drill instructor takes and being mature enough to know like, all right, man, what we do as drill instructors, once we've made Marines, we're not 
we're not putting on, we're not, we are still drill instructors, right? But we're not putting on that, that personality and that demeanor that we had as a drill instructor. And because if you do that, and it, you're going to create this environment where these Marines, brand new Marines, super impressionable, now believe that that's what not just drill instructors, but all Marines act like. And true, so it's, true. it's funny is I heard, I heard a, uh, I heard from a Marine down here, a Colonel say, um, the, the style of leadership we, and I'm a firm believer of this. And I loved it. He said, the style of leadership we down, we have down here at the depot is very unique to the depot. And what he meant by that is like, we have this, you remember from your drill instructors, it's like, do this or else, do this or else. On day one, the first day you meet your recruit, it's, it's do this and there's no question you do it. It's demand, instant willing obedience to orders, right? And that's great. Yeah. And that there's a purpose behind that. And I totally get it. But what we establish is like this sense of this, we, we preach leadership into our brand new recruits and Marines and they go to the fleet and they take this mentality of like, oh, that's what being a leader means. And then they, they, and things that we're saying start happening with fleet, like hazing, because everything is do this or else, do this or else. And we come, we get creative because we're bored and we're in peacetime and we start doing things that we've never seen anybody do before because we thought of it on our own, but everything uh-huh. started with like, do this or else, do this or else. So I think what we do in these Marine weeks is we, especially in the Marine weeks, and we talk a little bit about it in, you know, second, third, first, second, and third phase leading up to Marine weeks, but we, the small unit leader development program that we have sold it down at the depot is like, that is the, I think is, is where we've made a lot of money in these past few years, as far as like developing these young recruits into Marines and developing these young Marines to be leaders. Um, we giving them like task and purpose and teaching them about how to like, and, and, and once again, being mature enough to know like, all right, they're Marines. Now they're not recruits. We're not going to treat them like recruits. We'll treat them like PFCs. And then when they come up to ask you a question, you're not, you're not like, you don't put on some demeanor about how tough I am. I'm some tough sergeant. And it's like, hey, what's up, man? What do you need? If you can say that and you can be mature enough to know like, all right, this is a PFC standing in front of me. I don't have to be an asshole for just the fun of it. I'll be an asshole if he's disrespectful and he deserves it. But if he's coming up and he's like legitimately looking for information and his hands aren't, his hands are in a high parade rest behind his back, you got to be mature enough to not freak out and be like, oh, get to parade rest right now. Lock him on for the first, yeah. his first three days in the Marine Corps as a Marine. Yeah. But mm. you put that aside and just answer his question. <clears throat> and then just like teach him along the way. That's that's the craziest concept for some drill instructors down here is that we have to set our, you know, our pride aside sometimes and just be a good dude and just teach them how to be leaders. And it's it, it's unbelievable what you will see happen. Um, you see happen down here. As a senior drill instructor, I was like the most unorthodox style of senior drill instructor because – um, one being a, being a gunny, I was like very senior Two, I just have a different, I had a very different approach of like how we should treat them from day one. And my, you know, green belt drill instructors, we call them are going to be green belt drill instructors. And I would expect that from them. Um, but like as a senior drill instructor, as a black belt, like these kids know nothing, but like your dad, you're literally dad and you're going to save them from all their, you know, issues with the green belt drill instructors or personal issues that they got going on. So if I put on this demeanor of like, oh, I'm this tough guy and like unapproachable, the, the, like I'm going to get suicidal ideations, even if they're true or not, which we treat them all like they are. Right. But even if they're true or not, I'm going to get suicidal ideations. I'm going to get weird claims and I'm going to have, um, you know, allegations against drill instructors, whatever it may be. But if I show these young recruits that they have somebody they can talk to because I set my pride aside for a second, 
they're going to be more willing to come up to me and approach me with their problems. And then I protect yeah. my drill instructors, right? So my drill instructors do something stupid while I'm at home barbecuing with my family. And then I come into work the next day and I ask the recruits, I tell all the Greenbelt drill instructors, go away. And I ask the recruits, all right, how did last night go? They're going to be more willing to tell me like, uh, we were, you know, we were holding our packs above our heads for 30 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, great. That's definitely not what you should be doing. For I could think of a thousand things you could be doing for 30 minutes besides holding your packs above your head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just little things like that. Like you learn so much down here and I've learned so much as a leader down here. And to the point where like, I, I think I'm, I think my, I learned how to be a leader on recruiting duty, but what I learned about being about being a leader and how to implement it down here at the depot has gone a long way because, and I think I really got the opportunity to do that because I'm a gunny and there are a lot of young sergeants and staff sergeants down here. They're more willing to listen to me down here and about, and they, they, and because like at the end of the day, I set my pride aside and I'm humble about my approach to this duty. I think they're more willing to listen to me. And, and that's unique. That's, that's funny. I say that because the recruits and I'm not trying to compare a staff and CO to a recruit, but like the recruits are the same way because I'm approachable. They're more willing to approach me with the problems and then listen to me and believe in me. Right. We call it believe like trust. Have yeah. you heard that before? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. BLT, but they're more willing to believe like, and trust you. And that's like, and when it comes to being a, you know, a senior drill instructor down here, like if your recruits don't believe like, and trust you, uh, you better plan on like having some issues through your three month cycle, but you get them from day one, you're going to be okay. And for example, day one, I get my recruits for the first day. You know, I told all my drill instructors to go away. First thing I did was take my belt and cover off and just get the recruits in a school circle and talk to them and introduce myself, tell them who I am and let them know like, Hey man, I'm here for you. You guys have issues. Come talk to me. And like, just taking off the belt and cover and showing the recruits that like, Oh wait, this guy is like an actual good dude. He's not just a drill instructor was, you know, made like, that was like probably the most important thing that I did. Um, and that's what made me successful as a senior drill instructor on uh, like two weeks or so into this training cycle, we do these things called T10 surveys and the recruits and it, we call them the uh, senior drill instructor love letters. And we're there. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like a, it's a piece of paper that has like some questions on it. Who's your favorite drill instructor? What's the craziest thing you've ever seen? And as senior drill instructor, we give it to the recruits and we give them like 15 minutes. We'll give them like a, a power bar or like some protein bar. And we give them like 15 minutes to fill it out. And they're all like sugared up and happy. And they tell us all their dirty secrets. Right. And so on these pieces of paper, it, it says like, what can the senior drill instructor do better? And what makes the senior drill instructor approachable? And all of them have written well, my cycle as a senior, all of them wrote for me, when the senior drill instructor wasn't wearing his belt and cover, he was the most approachable. I'll tell you from that point forward, unless I was leaving the bear, the squad bay, I never ever wore my belt and cover because I was like, all right, that's what's going to make me successful. Then that's what I'll do. Um, and that's, and that's just my demeanor. And, and that was my approach. And so I know I've gone off on a tangent here, but no, I not at all, what, man. It, what, what it all comes down to is like, we've gone a long ways at the depot with training recruits. And it's such an experience that like, I wish that everybody who has ever been a Marine can see again. And so they can see from an outside point of view that we're still making Marines. We're still doing the same old dirty work that we've been doing forever. But I think what we're doing now is making leaders. And it's like, it's crazy how, uh, you know, the product that we're giving the fleet Marine Corps um, and the product that we're producing from recruit training it's it's awesome, and I think we're we still doing we're still doing everything right. We're just doing it a little bit different as far as so uh, here's you know the science piece. 
here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. You being the drill instructor that you are and now the senior drill instructor that you are, and looking back at your time in 2010, 11 years ago, um, do you see a difference? Do you wish that maybe your drill instructors were the way they that you are with your with your recruits? Like, do you think that maybe you would be a different person? Like, what do you think? Yeah, so I would say that, I don't know, it's hard to explain because being a recruit is so different from being that senior drill instructor, right? So, like, as a recruit, I, I didn't know everything. I didn't yeah. know what's going on yeah. behind me. Yeah, of course. Before, so I just think, yeah, like, you, you do stuff. nothing. Right? So you I'm just thinking, afraid. all these guys are assholes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing – it does what it's told. That's it, right? And that's all we knew. Um, but, like – It puts the lotion I on. It did. No, we all did, right? <laughs> that's what it but, uh, um, yeah, right, there'll be somebody out there that's like, oh, I'll punch my drill – whatever. Anyways, uh, yeah, so, like, my senior drill instructor was not there a lot. I wasn't, I'll, I'll admit like the green belt drill instructors need their space. You need to give them space and leave them alone. Sometimes I'll be honest, the recruits need it. They need to get torn up a little bit and they need to be exposed to green belt drill instructors without the senior hovering over their shoulder. But you, as a senior, you should feel comfortable enough, uh, comfortable enough to do that. Right. So that's just, that's what it comes down to. I think a little bit is uh, just being that being, oh, man, it's so hard to explain. Um, but being like that, the, being the, the senior drill instructor and having the green belts, the recruits like need that exposure. So my senior drill instructor did that, but he was just never around. He didn't do the other part of like, how hey, I got to talk to these kids and make sure they're okay. Yeah. And he never, like he, he just, so we, we didn't, I'm not saying I had like the most crazy recruit training experience. My, I think my drill instructors were outstanding. They did everything within the, uh, you know, the confines of what they were supposed to. I, I honestly cannot recall a situation where like, a recruit was punched or like thrown over a footlocker or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, did they get a little bit of name calling? Yeah, man. But did you join the Marine Corps to be to like, you know, for, for, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? All the good time. Yeah. No, you joined the Marine Corps to be, to be like hardened a little bit. That's why we joined, yeah. right. For a little bit of discipline. So did they call us names sometimes? Absolutely. Did they call us, you know, a bitch? Yeah. Maybe every once in a while, but I don't think my drill instructors did anything crazy as far as like punching us or, you know, anything making us eat weird food or do at the chow hall or mixing up our food. Like they didn't do anything like that. But my senior drill instructor, when I was a recruit, he was like, like we saw him walk in the squad bay and go straight to the duty hut and then walk from the duty hut and go straight to the front hatch. That was it. That's all there was. And every once in a while, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, how you guys doing? He was at PT. And but it wasn't like, it was, there was like no emotion. He wasn't a prominent us, figure. Yeah. Right. So, I think my time as a senior drill instructor was like, and maybe, maybe I, from my perspective, I thought I was, I don't know. But when I go, when I would show up, I would make it a point like, oh, I'm going to, I got to take these dudes for like 15 minutes and see how they're doing and just BS with them and make them laugh. And I would, that was like my big thing is for whatever reason, recruits like getting made fun of. They think it's hilarious to make fun of you, to be made fun of, right? They're making fun of each other, but they didn't think it's so funny. They'll tell on each other in a heartbeat when they're picking on each other, but for whatever reason, when this senior drill instructor is out there picking on a recruit, everyone, even that recruit, everyone's laughing. That, and, that, and that's like pivotal as a senior drill instructor, though, is to make the recruits laugh and to make them feel comfortable and like and let them know like things are OK. Yeah. Um, so but um, like, that's what I did. I made it a point going into the duty or going into the squad. Bay. It's like, hey, I'm going to make like I got to make these dudes loosen up a little bit. And I'm going to say, all right, who needs to talk to me? And then whatever, you know, recruits. 
Sometimes it would be one recruit raises his hand and says, I need to talk to him. Sometimes none of them did. Sometimes like 15 were like, we need to talk to you. And it'd be like a line at the duty hut hatch, like wanting, uh, waiting for recruits to talk to me. Um, it just all varied, but they were, they felt good about coming up to me. And I felt when we were recruits and maybe you had the same experience is like my senior drill instructor did not make me feel like I could just walk up in any moment. I was just as scared of him and intimidated by him as I was any of my other uh, drill instructors. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like I, I still talk to my senior drill instructor till today. He's a first term, but yeah, no way. I, I never, like, I remember I told this story already in the other podcast, but I pretty much like spoke to him one time and it was because I unked on the fire on the rifle range. And then I went back to go through it and I told him that I passed and I got a 190 on the on the rifle range. And he was like, no, you're a liar. Go sit in the red box until tomorrow and you're going to get dropped. And then this whole entire thing ensues. But yeah, I didn't have that. Now, you know, talking about it and now having an understanding of where you're coming from, I definitely understand the difference between it. And I definitely can understand the, you know, the less of the... um the less of the robot type thing like hey you will do what you what i say or else and i definitely understand where you're coming from um so i guess the last question that um the really last question that i kind of would end this off with was would just be you know in a sense what um how does what's the difference really so like you know as a recruiter you find this kid on the street, you talk to him, you engage him, you interview him, close on him, he becomes a pulley, he becomes a shipper, he come home, he comes home a marine, right? Mm-hmm. I've never I've never been able to see the in between, right? So now for you, my question is, how does it feel being the you know, the the hammer or the you know steel sharpened steel like how does it feel being the person who's creating these marines like how does that feel like seeing someone go from recruit to marine like how does how does that feel yeah so i mean both duties are extremely gratifying and that's for sure 100 percent. and i don't know if one is more than the other because i'll tell you and i'm obviously i'm still on this duty but leaving recruiting duty and I'm looking at your, your, you know, the, having a ribbon ceremony and looking at the certificate you get while you're driving away is like most, one of the most incredible feelings. And like, um, and, and just ha- like having that in front of you, are like, dude, is this real? Am I really walking away from this duty? And I really survived the last three years. Yeah. Is it finally, has it finally ended? I'm sure I'll have the same. Um, I'm sure I'll have the same experience when I, uh, when I leave here. Right. But what I'll say is that, like, these duties are – they're so different from each other. And um, my wife actually made a good point to me when I first got on this duty. Uh, maybe I've been doing it for, like, eight months. And she was like, you know, like, you're gone a lot. I will admit you're gone a lot. Not, I mean, recruiting duty, we're gone a lot, right? She's like, I will admit you're gone a lot. But when you come home, you come home happy. And you're, like, happy to be home. And you're, like – and you're not – you don't have your phone, it's like, sitting next to you buzzing, waiting for that phone call, like – of some kid that can't make it or whatever. Right. You're like, you're home and you're happy. And I'm like, I, you're happy with your duty and you're happy with everything you're doing. And so don't get me wrong. Like there's some days I I'm here and I'm at, I'm 
or not anymore, but there was some days where I would be here and I'm like, dude, I, I hate this place so much. And I hate everything about this duty and I hate what I'm doing. I cannot believe I'm, been, I'm here. Dude, my first day at drill instructor school, I walked out to my car at lunch and I called my wife and was like, dude, I don't know if I got what this takes. I don't know if this is for me. And she's like, okay, first of all, stop, stop, go back inside. You signed up for the shit, go do it. And I'm like, man, you're right. And I hung up the phone, went back inside. But like, there's days where I thought I couldn't do this, right? And I never had that feeling on recruiting duty uh, while I was at recruiter school. So I'll tell you that this duty is like, it's tough, but like, I'll tell you, it, there, the pressure that you have on recruiting duty will never compare to anything else. Like, or I, I should say nothing else will compare to the pressure you have on recruiting duty. It's just like, it's it's, it's so heavy and it is so taxing on you mentally. And I've never been like, depressed in my I feel like I, I I don't think I've ever been depressed in my lifetime but I swear some days I think that I experienced like a slight depression while I was on recruiting duty is because I miss just being with family and I miss being a good dude and I miss like just being happy because I it's yeah. hard on that duty some days you have like you have a hard month where yeah you might write two contracts but you didn't go home uh earlier than you know, 2200 and you left the house yeah. by zero six thirty. Like yep. that's not happiness, dude. You're, you're working all the time, but there's, there's no way you can be happy with that. And, and when you have a wife at home that, like you know, yep. you're leaving her at home every day, like, man, I, I, I'm, I'll tell you, I might, I may have tapped on recruiting duty if I had kids, but I'll, but me yeah. on this duty, like, um, I, I have, I have kids on this duty now. I'm like, don't get me wrong. My kids are only five weeks old. Right. But like they're twin boys. Right. Oh, so, congratulations, bro. Thank you. But um, I don't think like that, man, like there's this duty. It's physically demanding, but there's no way I, this duty can compare to the pressure I had. I felt on recruiting duty. It sucked. And I tell everybody that here, too, because that question comes up a lot. Like, hey, what's which one's harder? 100 percent mentally, like which I think is take ways heavier than physically. Uh, mentally, recruiting duty is the worst experience I've ever had in my life, I think. And you know what I mean? And I've lost my little sister. And I think recruiting duty was literally the worst thing that I've ever experienced. It's so terrible for you mentally. And like, it could break anybody. Anybody could break from that duty with the weight of the pressure. And it's either, either you make it on recruiting duty or you, you get out of the Marine Corps because you're going to have, and you're not going to have a successful tour. You're going to get terrible fit reps that shows you can't do anything outside of your MOS. And it's just like, it's going to break you. But I'll wrong. tell you that like, this duty as a drill instructor, man, all you got to do is, is show up and, and put in like and grind, put in the work. And um, I had a fellow infantryman from uh, Camp Lejeune, the the battalion commander over there, emailed me and said, "Hey, uh, can you provide another um, infantryman, 0369? Can you provide him with some insight on on uh, being a drill instructor?" And so my big thing was like, "Look, man, at this point, you're a staff and CEO in the Marine Corps. You, sh you should, keyword should, you should know to take care of your family." And you should know to take care of your finances. I shouldn't have to tell you that at this point, right? Your staff and CEO in the Marine Corps. But what I'll tell you is how to be successful down here. And one of the, the, the few, I'll just go over it real quick. And, and this can go for anybody that's considering this duty that might listen to this. Is like the big thing was like, for, first, first things first is um, don't try to recreate what you went through. And so like you and I have a very, like we have different experiences through recruit training. And I, did you go to Paris Island or San Diego? Paris Island. Great. So you went to Paris Island. I went to San Diego. Our, our experience is probably way different. And we have different like memories of what, what recruit training was like. So don't try to recreate it. Realize the depot's changed and like just adapt to what the depot is now and 
and, and you'll do better than if you try to recreate it. If you try to recreate it, you're going to get relieved because you're going to do something stupid that you used to, that your drill instructors might've done to you. Um, number two is like be mature. That was like a huge one for me is that you got to be mature enough to know like these cats are, they know nothing and they show up here knowing nothing. And you can teach them about their 11 general orders and their, you know, 14 leadership traits a thousand times. Um, and a letter, 11 leadership principles, and you can make, give them all the keys to success. They're going to show up here knowing nothing. And that's just the way it is. They don't know what it's like until you're here. Um, being humble, right? That's a huge one we talked about for a long time. You got to be humble enough to know, like, you don't know everything. And you're not, you're not the, you know, end all say all to, to the Marine Corps. Like, you, you're coming to a duty where everything's new to you. Approach it that way. No matter how senior you are, 100% going to be fine. Um, being passionate, it's a big one. Um, you have to, and you talked about this in your last one, you have to like truly believe in the product, right? You got to believe in the product that the Marine Corps is making and the Marine Corps mission to, to understand like the true meaning of um, making Marines like that is, and that is like the hundred percent truth. You have got to believe in the product and you have to believe in, in the, the product that we deliver from recruit training. Um, don't drink the Kool-Aid. We've heard that a thousand times anywhere you go in the Marine Corps, like dude, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? And you could talk, we could talk a little bit about that. Like what that means, like don't drink the Kool-Aid is, is, uh, is you're at the end of the day, like, yeah, we, we have a belting cover and we have this like demeanor of being a drill instructor, but that's not the, the coolest thing you're ever going to do in your career, whether it is right now. Uh, maybe it is right now. Maybe at this very point, it's the coolest thing you've ever done. But if, as long as you stay in the Marine Corps and, and even in life, you're going to do, you're going to do bigger and better things. This isn't the end of it. Um, so don't let like the, the duty of being a drill instructor and the demeanor and, the in what we represent like get to your head and then because then at that point you start leading through intimidation and fear and then now you've dug a hole where once again you're going to find yourself doing something you wouldn't normally do um and the last thing i think goes for any anywhere in, as far as leadership goes is is being yourself um that's like huge dude and i think that when you show up to this duty like you see all these drill instructors whether it be we call it running the deck where and i'm sure you remember this where you're one drill instructor standing in the middle of the squad bay and it's like controlled chaos. Things are like flying all over the place. Sea bags are being dumped. Um, you know, all this crazy crap's going on around you. And there's that one drill instructor running the deck. You're going to, as a new drill instructor, your job is to just support the deck and run around um, and, you know, get it, you know, tell them to move faster or get online or, you know what I mean? Like lock your body, stand at attention, whatever it may be. Like that's your job. But really what you're doing is you're watching that drill instructor run the deck and you're seeing how he does it and you're you're like okay so that's how i'm that's how it's supposed to flow because it really it's an art and there's a flow behind it all right mm -hmm. but there's so you can watch drill instructors do things a thousand different ways but at the end of the day if you just you can take little bits and pieces but just be yourself the, the recruits are going to appreciate you and and they're going to believe in you because when you try to be something you're not you really put on this fake act and this fake impression and the recruits see right through that they yeah. know, like, when you try to force anger and force, like, being mean and, and uh, you know, and force intimidation onto the recruits, just like anywhere else, man, you can see it. Like, dude, you it, you look uncomfortable and you look fake. It's like when you see somebody cuss that doesn't normally cuss or use bad words, you're like, well, that didn't sound natural. That sounded weird. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's the same yeah. demeanor down here, man, where you see it and you're like, well, that doesn't look natural. Yeah. So that's – and that's true. So, like, at the end of the day, like, take little bits and pieces – of everything that you see everybody do. And this can go anywhere in the Marine Corps once again, and, and as far as leadership goes, and then be yourself and make it your own thing. 
And I think the most important thing to remember is that the recruits remember you forever, right? So at the end of the day, when we leave this duty, man, and when we leave, and this goes for recruiting duty as well, all the stats, all the, all the, you know, um, trophies you got, like we used to get like gladiator helmets, all that crap that you get while in recruiting duty. At the end of the day, when you leave that, you're like, you're just, you're just a name in McChris that had that row contracts one time. That's all you yeah. are. You're no Not one wrong. is going to remember you except for your poolies, right? Same thing here at the depot. Dude, at the end of the day, when we leave this depot as drill instructors, we're, we take, it's like a, it's like a tradition to take your name tag and you press it into this plaque that's on a wall in the company offices. And it's like every drill instructor that I ever served for the last however long has their name tag on the wall inside that company office. But at the end of the day, when we leave this duty as drill instructors, we're, we're just a fucking name tag on a plaque somewhere in some company office. And the only people who are truly going to remember us is the fucking Marines that we made and the recruits that we trained while we were down here. And if you want them to remember you as that, that douchebag, that's that fucking IT'd me every opportunity he got, then so be it, man. Go be that guy. But I know deep down that kid's got a mom and dad somewhere that, that, you know, that cares about him and got a family or maybe a wife and kid. And dude, I want that kid or that, that recruit and that young man or woman, I want them to remember me as the, um, you know, like as a model and as like that, that fucking, I want to be that drill instructor someday. And hopefully they come back here and be the drill instructor that, you know, that, and they, they get that same impression of their recruits. But that's the way I look at it all. And that goes, I know I related that to, to being here as a drill instructor and I know I'm running yeah. around right now. No, not like, at all, I think bro. that goes, that goes for anywhere in the, in, in the Marine Corps, or maybe even outside of it. Um, you know, that's, that's just leadership in a nutshell, man. Just taking care of people and realizing like they have a life outside of this place. And no matter where we lead, Marines or even people and employees in a civilian sector, like these people are going to remember you and, and no one cares about what you've done. Um, you know, and, and the depot's like, they're not going to put up some, some fucking statue of me, some DI monument about gunny so-and-so they're going to, you know what I mean? I'm just that name tape, man, but the recruits will fucking remember you forever. And you're going to get that phone call one day or that Facebook or Instagram message, whatever it may be. That's going to be like, Hey, you were my senior drill instructor back in 2020 or 2021. Um, do you mind if I get lunch with you? Can I call you? And that's like, man, that's fucking cool that that kid just reached out. Or I say kid, I shouldn't say that. But that young man or woman just reached out to me yeah. and said, hey, can I call you? Because I, I remember you and you were awesome. Or you you did this for that for me. Yeah. That, that, that's how I want it to be at the end of the day. When I fucking, when I bury me in my grave, I want to know that I left some impression on some some young man or woman that made them a better person, but they remembered me the right way. Not as that that dickhead, intimidating you know, uh, demeanor, um, that, that we kind of get, we get, uh, you know, that we, we let get to our head a little bit. So, but yeah, man, I mean, damn this, the duty, the duties are so different and they all, they offer something different. Both of them do. And I'm very thankful. I'm like, I cannot describe to you how much, how thankful I am uh, that I was both a, a drill instructor and a recruiter. Well, I say was, but I still am. But I, as I, I, when I was a recruiter and as a drill instructor, like, I'm so thankful I've got to experience both sides of it. And it's made me, I feel it has, go, is, it has and is going to make me so successful in the future, whether it be networking or whether it even be just like the style of leadership that I've learned and the attitude and, the, and what I realize like is more important than other things. Um, it's just crazy to me, man. But I, I'm so thankful and I will never regret these duties. And I will never tell a Marine, like, don't be a drill instructor. Don't be a recruiter. I'll absolutely be honest with them and like, and, and encourage them to do this or that or to try different things. 
or I'll encourage them to, you know, if this is really what you want to do, this is the approach I would take. Um, but I would never tell a Marine to don't be a recruiter or don't be a drill instructor. And if you, and if I think that if you're a drill instructor recruiter and you're doing that, you're like, you have a moral obligation in the Marine Corps to, to do what's right. And if you're encouraging Marines to not take on a special duty um, for the sake of like, because you have like some sort of gripe with it, um, you might want to seek alternate employment because you're not doing your due diligence to the Marine Corps. And like I said, you have a moral obligation to take care of Marines and to, to do the Marine Corps right. And that means like you should be inspiring your Marines to want to seek alternate like options outside of their MOS or their occupation, military occupational specialty, their job. That's going to make them successful. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Yeah, no, 100 percent, bro. I really agree with that. Um, so, so, Nico, I just want to, again, thank you for coming out on the podcast, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, the first drill instructor that I've had, um, and the first recruiter slash drill instructor. So I definitely appreciate that man getting both sides of the story, um, learning more about yourself and your family and just everything you've been through. Um, so thank you for everything, man. And, uh, I look forward to talking to you more about different opportunities and different subjects. And, uh, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Everything you're doing, dude, this is good for, uh, it's good for Marines to hear this kind of thing, but, um, once again, thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. And then, uh, you know, I look forward to talking to you again if I have the opportunity sometime. Yeah, definitely, bro. Semper Fi, man. Ra. Yeah, Semper Fi. Take care, brother.